Today's episode is sponsored by the RevOps experts at Fullcast. With me is their head of customer success, Tyler Simons. Hey, Tyler. Revenue efficiency, sales productivity are everything today. How does Fullcast's go-to-market planning platform help RevOps teams achieve these types of goals? Well, Fullcast lets you build better territories so that the right resources are always focused on the right opportunities. When reps are motivated and zeroed in on their targets, they'll be more successful and bring in more revenue. That sounds great. I do a lot of that planning in spreadsheets today and I'm pretty happy with my spreadsheets. How is Fullcast any better than that? You must get rid of the spreadsheets because (laughs) spreadsheets create lag and errors. With Fullcast, planning and updating happen automatically all in one place. Best of all, it automates all common headache-inducing planning activities like territory rebalancing, account hierarchies, routing, and more. So when you're faced with those go-to-market plan changes, which, you know what, they happen all the time, Fullcast has your back. All right, you got me convinced. Where do I learn more about Fullcast? Our website, fullcast.io. Hey everyone, welcome to Operations, the show where we look under the hood of companies in hypergrowth. My name is Sean Lee. It's no secret that we as operators and companies at large have been working in very different economic conditions for the past couple of years than we had previously. And all of the baggage that comes with those conditions, layoffs, shifting responsibilities, fewer resources, can be difficult to navigate especially for those who have only experienced times of economic prosperity. So what should we as operators be doing differently, not to just survive, but thrive given this new set of circumstances that we're facing? Our guest today, Hannah Duncan, is someone who has had to figure that out for herself. Hannah is the head of revenue operations at Logics Board, a logistics platform for freight forwarders and customs brokers that most recently raised a $32 million Series B in 2022. Since then, Hannah has had to quickly react to a shifting landscape, and in this episode, she talks through the rapid transition from the, quote, old world of ops to the new one. In our conversation, we talk about what it looks like to work in a more resource-constrained ops environment, We cover the value that operators can bring by sitting in on deal reviews and why, despite all the obstacles, Hannah feels closer to her business and her teammates than ever before. To start, though, let's paint a picture of what the new world looks like for Hannah at Logics Board and likely for many operators out there today. I started in revenue operations when times were really good, right? So I'd only ever really experienced this rocket ship level growth and constantly implementing new tools, constantly building for six months, 12 months ahead. How can we build processes and systems that we can double our headcount and and things don't break? So I was always really spent a lot of my career building in that mindset and then things shifted, right? When, When the economy shifted. And so I think the biggest changes for me have been shifting from building for six months or 12 months in the future to building for this quarter? What can I do to help the team be more impactful this quarter? How can we 
improve our conversion rates this quarter. I definitely have seen the shift into being executing versus thinking so forward looking and scaling. So first of all, I give you kudos for just being self-aware enough to recognize like, hey, this is new for me, right? Like I have to adjust my approach. What was the catalyst for you making that choice around, look, it's no longer about me spending time on six to 12 months from now. I need to focus on in quarter. Like what led you to, to make that change? I think it all really happened at a similar moment. I think you looking at your historical data, everything's really consistent. Times are good. And then that shifts. And it's almost like you trip. You're like, okay, hold up. We got to adjust what we're doing. I can't focus on building a new system because I need to figure out what isn't working now, right? How can we step in and identify what's going wrong now? And so I think that kind of shifted the focus to, all right, now I need to spend time looking at our funnel metrics, understanding where things are falling off in the pipeline. And not even that, I think before I would just find that insight and give it to my revenue leader and say, hey, our sta- our conversion's falling off at pricing and proposal. And then I probably go back to working on something else. But now in this new world, I'm like, I think because resources, there's less internal resources, you kind of have to take that next step to say, okay, well, why? Let me listen to some gong calls during the pricing and proposal stage. And let me see if I can figure out the next step that potentially maybe someone else would have done in a previous world. And so that really kind of quickly shifted my focus into how can we take action? How can I help the team in the moment? Two things here. As Hannah has been navigating new economic realities, one, the catalyst for her changing her approach is that her historical benchmarks are no longer reliable guides to her. She's experiencing a level of unpredictability that she hadn't before. And two, she's finding herself more resource constrained in dealing with this unpredictability. Her example of previously shooting off an insight and then moving on with her day is, I'm sure, a pretty common one for operators. But I think that having fewer resources has actually been a positive catalyst for Hannah. She's getting closer to the work of her end users, and she feels more responsibility to drive her insights forward towards actions. And for Hannah, she views this not as a burden, but as an opportunity to grow. I think that's one of the areas where as personnel changes, there's gaps. And I think it's an area in RevOps where you can step up and take on more responsibility. I think that's what I saw it as is like, okay, I could just send this report to someone or I could take that next step and dig deeper and kind of think of the question they were going to ask next, right? And try to recommend a solution. So it's part of it, I think, is me trying to fill a gap and kind of take that more senior step versus just honestly in the old world you're so busy with so many tactical things and so many different systems and there's always something else you could do and so I think it was easier to just stop at the insight go continue on with what you're comfortable with and now in the new world there's a lot of stepping outside of your comfort zone doing things you haven't done. Stepping out of your comfort zone, but also it sounds like stepping closer to the business itself. A hundred percent. I think the biggest shift I've seen is how close I've become with my stakeholders. We are understanding the deals in your pipeline at a whole nother level. 
you know, you used to just pull a win-loss analysis report, and now we have a weekly win-loss meeting where we go through each line by line, products there, sales there. Like we are so much more in tune with what's happening with the business. Because you have a smaller team focused on the best accounts, right? You have to really make sure that nothing's falling through. We have exec sponsors on all of our deals. We're multi-threading. You're taking all those steps that we probably should have been doing before, but now there's much more collaborative focus on it. And as you're stepping into like those deal by deal conversations, something I hear from ops folks sometimes is it's hard for them to feel as though they bring something to the table in those conversations, right? Like, hey, I've never carried a bag. Like what type of credibility am I going to offer in a conversation like that? How are you overcoming that? I mean, sounds like part of it is just like, look, there's nobody else around. But another part of it has got to be kind of your confidence level. Like, how are you either learning or how are you approaching those conversations so that it feels like what you have to say is, is a value add to those conversations? I think a lot of it when I'm sitting in those pipeline reviews is listening to understand why potentially some of the data is the way it is. So we're talking about funnel metrics and conversions. I'm seeing trends in the data, but I want to validate that with what the team's saying. So listening to going calls is one way, but it's one of the best ways is to sit in a room and listen to the account executives and sales managers discuss the deal. And then that might lead to pricing changes or recommendations. Like if we see a certain sticking point that we didn't see before, how can we address that? And a lot of it's experimental. You don't always know what what to do. You can identify that something's not working and then experiment and try either different pricing strategies or we've changed sales process steps, just iterating to see if that impacts. Facing challenging conditions, Hannah now feels closer to her team and closer to her business than she ever has before. And even she admits, hey, maybe this is the type of relationship we should have had before, but sometimes it takes a change in business outcomes to help you realize this. I also really appreciate her approach when she's sitting in with her teammates. She's not going in there with the intention of trying to tell her sales counterparts what to do. She's listening first and then looking for areas that she is uniquely positioned to improve. What's broken? What could be more efficient? What might someone have missed in the motives of the buyer? That's exactly what an operator can offer in these situations that most other roles can't. So what has the shift in economic conditions done to her day-to-day focus as an operator? That's next after this quick ad. This episode is sponsored by Fullcast, the company that helps operators build better sales territories. Their platform focuses the right sellers on the right opportunities, making them unstoppable. And the cherry on top, Fullcast automates common go-to-market activities like territory rebalancing, account hierarchies, routing, and more. So the plan is always in sync with operations. With Fullcast, say goodbye to -to go-to-market planning headaches and hello to your own personal planning assistant. Learn more about Fullcast today by visiting fullcast.io. Okay, back to Hannah. Before the break, Hannah told us about how resource constraints have changed the way she interacts with her team and what she must drive to resolution on her own now. I wanted to get more detailed with her on that and what the day in the life of the operator looks like. What does she do differently now to keep her finger on the pulse of the business? What does she pay the closest attention to? I think it's a lot of the core metrics, just really like looking at them much more 
frequently and drilling a lot deeper. So at this point, like we had a really consistent win rate and then we saw shifts to that. And so how can we really zoom in and understand why? And that's been a key focus of ours this year. Every quarter, can we increase our win rate by a couple of percentage points? And it sounds small, but it has a significant impact, especially when you're trying to get it to go back to where it was previously normal, I guess, in in the old way. And so it's definitely zooming in on kind of just your core metrics and drilling a layer deeper, trying to understand is it certain business segments that our win rate has shifted in? Is it across the board? Is it certain regions? Like every way you can slice it, trying to understand why, and then taking a step farther to be, okay, well, how can we change it? What can we, that's where I think looking at the stage to stage and seeing where deals are falling off has helped a ton because that's where we identified our top of the funnel was in a really good place, but we were seeing deals get stuck at pricing. So we knew we haven't seen that before. It seemed to be a really a new sticking point or a new bottleneck in the process. And so then we really zoomed in there and, and did an evaluation of our pricing. And so what do you do? How do you do that? So we have a pricing committee now, which is exciting. So we put together, it's a, it's a mixture of go-to-market and finance execs and, and rev ops. And we put together a team to guess review where we currently are at and try to figure out new pricing models and strategies. And what we landed on doing is more of a customer-led growth strategy. So bringing down our ACV, but with more of a land and expand model where there's upside for expansion. So that was one area we explored. Now, knowing doing that, you're sacrificing a slightly lower ACV to get them in with the hope that that's going to impact win rate and that there's still upside in the rest of the pricing model. So then there's a lot of like data. And then the yield is that. higher at the end. Yes, exactly. So there's a lot of data around that. I then partnered with our BI team to understand how long will the expand take? Um, like if we, you know, if we are taking a lower ACV, how long is it going to take for us to see the expansion to the point where it would have been and beyond? So we spent, I spent some time with our, our BI lead mapping that out to provide the pricing committee with as much data as possible to make this decision because it is a risk. You're taking a you're you're lowering your pricing up front during a time where it, it is a risky bet. We did that and we definitely saw impacts in our win rate increase because of it. And so it's it's taking risks like that and just trying it, not knowing a hundred percent if it's gonna work, but doing something because we identifying that doing what you're doing isn't working. And that something needs to change. Yeah, I mean, again, the self-awareness to actually make a change is, is the key there, right? Because some people are just struggling and it's easy to blame external factors or market conditions. And it's a lot harder to actually look in the mirror and say, okay, what are the things we can control and, and tweak here? How long did it take from, hey, we're going to look at our win rate on a stage-by-stage -stage conversion rate to, hey, we have a theory that since we're stuck at pricing, we need to make a change to pricing, to rolling this out, to seeing results? It's taken a full three quarters, I would say. I think we identified the bottleneck or the stage-to-stage -stage conversion bottlenecking at pricing in Q1. It took about a quarter to come up with the plan, kind of the rest of Q1 and into Q2 to come up with the plan and test it out with a few customers to see how it's resonating listening to those calls, trying to understand, was this the reason we won the deal? Would we have still won the deal with the higher ACV, trying to understand if it's having the desired impact. And then 
part of it's just faith. It's like, okay, we're going to try it. And looking at a full quarter's worth of data and seeing, then starting to see the impact of it when you have a full, now we have about two full quarters worth of data almost on the new pricing plan. And so it definitely takes time. And then it takes time for you to see the expansion of a land and expand. And we're still, still experimenting with that. And did you set that expectation at the beginning to say, hey, this is how long we think it's going to take to prove this hypothesis? Yes, I think that that's from an ops perspective. One of the best things I think you can do if you're if you're recommending the company takes a risky bet, explaining how long it could take to pan out. And that's where I think the analysis with, with BI came into place. When we were looking at our data, you have to look at how long does it take to onboard a customer, right? So factoring in what's the time to value, and then how long does it take them to get to that point to a point where they would expand, which in our case was adding new seats, basically. We're in logistics, but for the simplicity of the conversation seats. And so modeling that out, we know it takes about five months on with our customer base to get from sign a contract new customer to they're at a point of, of expansion. And so you definitely have to you have to relay that to leadership, especially finance, because finance will also do their own modeling there to make sure there's financial impacts of the delayed revenue, right? So there's there's definitely a lot of analysis that goes into it. And I think on the ops side, it's very important to call out what could go wrong. Hannah's command of the entire customer journey, not just some basic new business metrics, is quite evident here. She's taking into consideration things like time to value, typical timeline to first expansion, ACV trade-offs, to not only make recommendations, but to actually drive the pricing strategy of the business. She's doing what I think most operators want. She's living at the center of a whole bunch of different intersection points within the business. It also struck me as she was detailing this experiment that she probably wouldn't have been involved at this level of detail in what she calls the old world of RevOps at LogicSport. And I think both she and the company are better off for it. I was curious if she felt the same way. Turns out, not only has the work changed, but what you expect to yield from that work has as well. In Q4 of last year, I was in the middle of a CPQ implementation, building for scale, thinking we're going to continue to sell SMB at mid-market exactly how we sold it today. And in the new world, we're moving up market. We're doing a lot of custom pricing. We're experimenting with new pricing models. All of this is kind of the exact opposite of that structure you would implement in a scaling business. And I mean, that's probably a great example of something that you just kind of had to say no to, right? Like talk to me about the things that like, hey, these were probably on the ops team's goals, or this was on our operation, our long-term operational roadmap before, but these are the kind of categories of things that just don't rise to the top of the list anymore. I think there were a lot of grandiose plans for what our tech stock might've looked like this year, right? And I think you definitely reevaluate that as budgets change. And what I've also found is really having those close relationships with your vendors of the tools you're on today and getting the most out of the tools you have because it's it benefits both parties. I've seen a lot of the tools and vendors we work with, CSMs who maybe would meet with me once a quarter are now meeting with me weekly because they, they want to make sure that we see value out of their solution. And I want to make sure we see value out of their solution because if we don't come renewal, 
potentially that's budget we could spend on something that provides more value. Everything is like zoomed into the max and really evaluating, is this the right business decision now in this new world? When we bought it, it was, but now are we getting the desired value out of it? And I would imagine one of the unique things about the the kind of vantage point that ops folks have is like you can take that kind of white glove experience that you're getting from the vendors that you know know they need to prove value to you and apply it internally now, right? Right? Because you can take it and say like, hey, this is what people are doing in the market. This is what best in class looks like. If we don't want to be viewed as a nice to have instead of a need to have, this is the way we need to change our post-sale approach as well. A hundred percent. I've been, um, I think seeing how, because in RevOps, you sit in a unique seat, you work with a lot of CSMs, right? So I'm always kind of relaying that back to our CX leader. Like, this is what people are doing well. And I think a big area is onboarding. I really think a lot of focus on making sure they're seeing value early versus rushing through onboarding because we're trying to get them onboarded as fast as possible. But then they're kind of always half onboarded, aren't getting the full value. I think really focusing and making sure that not only does the customer like our tool, they like our tool and it's impacting their business, whether it's saving them money, whether it's driving revenue. I think that impact is now a must to have, which is kind of crazy. I feel like you could buy tools and just enjoy using the tools before. <laughs> and there wasn't this like scrutiny of like that it had a significant impact, at least in startup world. And now you you definitely need that. I think it's an important takeaway for folks who are listening, right? Around this idea that, look, you've got to be focused on outcomes and the, they have to be outcomes that the business cares about and not just what the pretty tech stack version might be, right? Like I had a sales leader tell me very early in my career and it's always stuck with me. He's like, no one wins an award for going out of business with the best systems, right? Like, it's just like, you have to actually run the business and to make money and, and deliver outcomes. And so I think that's part of this mindset shift that, that you're describing and that you've kind of experienced firsthand. Before we go, at the end of each show, we're going to ask each guest the same lightning round of questions. Ready? Here we go. Best book you've read in the last six months? I reread Never Lose a Customer Again. Every time I start a new role, it helps kind of reset me. So I would say that. Love it. Favorite part about working in ops? I think my favorite part is how cross-functional it is. You get to learn the business from a lot of different perspectives. And there's a ton of learning opportunities through getting to work with that many different departments and stakeholders. Flip side, least favorite part about working in ops? I think at times it's the fire drills. It's the reprioritization. It comes with the role. Sometimes it's really fun, but I think those are it's, it's always challenging. Someone who helped you get to the job you have today? I, I don't know if there's one specific person. I think it's a combination of RevOps leaders I've worked with, RevOps teammates I've worked with, and go-to-market leaders I've gotten to work with. I've learned so many like insights from each one of those people that have helped me get into the role I'm in today. All right, last one. One piece of advice for people who want to have your job someday. I, I think the best advice I can give is really building those relationships with your stakeholders because ultimately they're almost more your boss than your boss at times. And thinking a step ahead, like I think what I've learned this year is not only 
giving your stakeholder what they ask for, but what they really want. And so take that next step. I think that would be the best advice I could give. Thanks so much to Hannah for joining us on this week's episode of Operations. Also, a special shout out to my partner, Nish, for making the intro. If you liked what you heard, make sure you are subscribed to our show so you get a new episode in your feed every other Friday. Also, if you learned something from Hannah or from any of our guests, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, six-star reviews only. All right, that's going to do it for me. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Today's episode is sponsored by Fullcast, your go-to-market planning platform. If you've ever spent hours or days building territory and quota plans only to have them be out of date the second the reps hit the street, you need to check out Fullcast. With Fullcast, you set intelligent rule-based policies that automate all of the time-consuming manual tasks that hit RevOps teams throughout the year. With virtually no effort, operations will always seamlessly align with your plan. Learn more about Fullcast today by visiting fullcast.io.